Good morning. It is the first Sunday of January, and, and actually for that I'm going to ask for your forgiveness, because we are trying to squeeze in an awful lot today. I'm not even going to be the one who preaches to you. But today, we felt it was really important as a leadership team that we share with you our vision for 2020. Uh, and there's an awful lot of church leaders out there that are going to make a joke about that today, and I'm not one of them, okay? So 2020 vision, do you know with your glasses? It's 2020. It's bad, isn't it? So please feel free to know that we're not one of those churches. But as we, we, we go into 2020, something changes. A new season, a new decade, a new year. But actually a lot of stuff won't change. And I wanted to share with you uh, a few things that we did last year. And then actually the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night just a few days ago. Um, <clears throat> quite literally with the name of this book. It was The Awakening Cry. Unfortunately I knew which book it was and I had a copy. And I just want to read to you the first couple of paragraphs of this. It really challenged me in the middle of the night and I wanted to challenge you too. It says, Revival in and of itself can be a rather shallow concern. It is possible to clutch at revival as at straws, a sort of spiritual daydream of a time when we will be proved right, our projects will seem to be successful, a long-awaited divine I told you so to the doubting Thomases, and filthy pagans all around us. Such an, at uh, such an attitude treats revival as a pill for all of our ills. Our church may be declining, society may be godless, our preaching may be appalling, and our relationships divided, our witness de-evangelistic, de and our prayers faithless. But at least we can still hope for revival. But in such contrast to such fatalism, God calls us to address our failures now, regardless of revival. He calls us to bear fruit in season and out of season, to get on and shape society in the cold light of today, rather than the hazy twilight of a tomorrow that might never come. Happy New Year. We can pray for revival. I pray for revival. I want to see this nation changed. I want to see people come to the Lord in the hundreds of the thousands. But until they do, I'm happy for them to come to know Jesus in the ones and the twos. And you know, we started this journey together two years ago. You started it many years before I came, but I started this journey with you two years ago. And we started it with the ones and twos. We're now into the tens and twenties, right? When do we get into the hundreds and thousands? I don't know, but until then I'm happy and content with the ones and twos, and you need to be too. We will produce fruit in and out of season. So what's the vision for 2020? Well, let me be very clear. Our standing orders have not changed. In the Bible, you will read certain commissionings from Jesus as to what we are called to do. And all of last year, we read those repeatedly to you. I'm going to read them to you again before we finish. But our standing orders have not changed. What has changed is our season. It's our call to remain in the favour of God constantly. So we have to stay alive to a God who is alive and a spirit who is speaking to us every day. And he has been very clear to us over the last few weeks and months that we are to speak to the rock. Jesus being the rock. When we do, the living waters will flow. And when they do, we will give glory back to him. So we will speak to the rock. We will see the miracles happen and we will give him all the glory. But what's the season? The season is very clear for us. It's of hospitality and discipleship. This was a word spoken to us back in September that we are going to be in a season. The way God is going to use this church to grow the kingdom is through hospitality and through discipleship. 
So when we got together as a leadership team, and I'm not just talking about the elders and wives, I'm talking about the trustees, I'm talking about the home group leaders, I'm talking about a whole load of stuff you're not even aware of yet. Everything we've done has been focused on those two words, on hospitality and discipleship. Our promise is that we will speak to the rock and we will see the living waters flow. Our challenge is that this might be the year for invitation. We have been given a permission to invite. So what else might, might change? Well, we might see new teams and the way we do church on a Sunday change. We're going to change the way we do the setup teams. We're going to have specific ministries. So we're going to have a team that does the PA. We're going to have a team that does worship. We're going to have a team that does hospitality, considering that's going to be the focus of the church. We need a really good team to do that. Chris and Sue are going to be heading that up for us. Well done, Chris and Sue. Carol's going to be heading up the PA. Tim and Sue are going to become our worship leaders for this next season. I'm not going to name you all because I'll embarrass you all. But we'll have a team dedicated to welcoming at the door. Because the first thing to do with hospitality is how somebody feels when they walk through the door. Do you know people will decide whether they want to join an organisation now before their bum hits the seat? Did any of you notice we haven't been growing this church by attracting Christians from other churches? We've been growing this church by sharing the gospel. So I don't care how many long words you know in your theology books, it's not going to make people feel welcome. I don't care how many times you've been to Bible college, it's not going to make people feel welcome. Or what you think the dress code should be on a Sunday. It's where we can meet the heroin addict, the prostitute, the lost, the lonely. And actually sometimes we focus on the big sinners too much. How about just the guy or just the girl who just never heard the gospel? How can we make them feel welcome here? So we will have a whole team dedicated to welcoming people. We're going to have... We're going to speak this in faith. We're going to have a new building. Come on. Why is it important? Do I want the bricks and the mortar and the mortgage and the debt and the hard work and the cleaning the toilets? Because you know it's me who's going to end up doing that when the toilets and the drains get blocked in the middle of the week. There's only going to be one person that gets called. Do I really want to do that? No. I'll be calling the rest of you to do it for me. But what we do see is we see it as part of our vision moving forward. That we are going to be so limited to what we do in this church if we can only do it at two hours on a Sunday morning and in our homes. Whereas already we're using somebody else's facility for worship practice. We're using somebody else's facility to run a youth group. We want to be able to run kids work. We want to be able to run mums and tots groups. We want to be able to run counselling sessions. We want to be a, a place where people feel welcome. We want to actually be able to reach a physical community as well as a disparate community. We're going to see new outreach. Last year, when we started to see the church grow by ones and twos, it wasn't because of anything we did at the front. It wasn't because of any program we ran. It's because we challenged you in this way. We said that you were saved by grace alone, do you remember? And then we told you you were saved by grace alone for a purpose. And a, what was it, four different people ran Alpha courses. Somebody started a youth group. That's on top of all the stuff we were already doing with churches together. All the stuff we were already doing with schools pastors, street pastors, 58-7. We were already doing a lot, but when we started to do it from this base, we started to see people come to faith. I want to see that coming. Already we've got one of our youth wanting to do a Bible journaling group once a month so that she can invite her teenage friends to come and do Bible journaling with her. Every girl that she's invited to that, and every guy, I don't, know, I don't know who's been invited, but everyone she's invited to that so far has been not of faith. No Christianity at all. But they're coming to a Bible journaling class. Mum and, and, and obviously the eldership team are fully behind that. And we're going to support that. 
I don't know what the new outreach looks like. I know we have a fa-la-la-la-la thing on our chairs. That's an alpha course, isn't it? So I know we're going to do one more of those. We already have youth, but youth has just begun. Do you know we started that youth group knowing that we would have two to three kids coming on a Friday night. We now regularly have over ten, most of whom you've never even met. We have people who have joined this church and come to faith because of stuff that's happened on a Friday night. It's been an amazing journey so far. We have got messy church. We haven't had one for a long time. But our vision is to not only have messy church, but have messy church more often and more frequent. Don't ever get those two words confused. Frequent means there's a consistency to it. Often just means they happen regularly. Frequently. We want people to be able to wake up like they do with, say, church and say, ah, I know there's church on a Sunday morning. I shall go to church. We want the same with our children's ministry. We have a new newsletter, as I think Brian told you already, so I'm not going to waste any time on that. Incidentally, if you don't have the internet or you don't have email, we have printed copies for you. This is an all-inclusive church. If you can't read or write or count or anything else, I'll come to your house and I'll read it to you. I don't want you to miss out. We are an all-inclusive church. The reason we've done it on email and on the internet is because so many people do use those things that don't use post or can't get here on a Sunday, so wouldn't be able to get a printed version. But we're going to do this in every possible way to make sure that we're communicating this stuff to you clearly and quickly. We are going to grasp that word hospitality and say we are going to have regular bring and share lunches. Liz is going to coordinate everything from bring and share lunches to brunches to family picnics. Because as we've already talked about today, so much of what Jesus did was done was around the dinner table. And all right, we may not sit around one huge table. I don't think we'd find a table big enough. But we're going to have lots to do around food. We've even discussed, and there are no details around this yet, about how we might actually take a day out as a church and go somewhere local, somewhere accessible, somewhere we might be able to go. This is, would be in the absence of going away on one of these conferences where you might go away for a whole weekend or a whole week. But where we could take time out as a family. In your own families, you would take a day trip, you would take an annual holiday. And we want to do the same where we can just stop at a point during the year, come together and say let's do something. In the past we've had a thing called family camp within our our network of churches and as far as I can see that's not going to happen this year and I don't want us to miss out because that's not going to happen so we'll find something more local but watch this space for more details. I'm running out of time fast so I'm going to read to you our standing orders again and for those of you who have been here for the last two years I'm not even sorry but these are our standing orders. It says he will build his church that's from Matthew 16, 18. Let no one here think you're doing it, or I'm doing it, or the eldership team are doing it, or the trustees are doing it. Jesus will build his church. We are all called to be witnesses. There's a couple of things in the Bible that we are all called to do. There are a couple of things that we have specific callings to do. But one of the things we are all called to do is we are all called to be witnesses. We are called to disciple and make disciples. We are called to serve the poor. We are called to serve the sick. We are called to give of our first fruits. That means our very best. It doesn't mean we go to the supermarket and give our first lemon out of the bag. It means that when we give something to God, we give our very best. That's why when we talk about giving or tithing, we talk about it on payday. The day you receive is the day you give. You don't give the last 10%, you give the first 10%. We are called to be in community. Such a huge and important thing. We overlook it sometimes. People say to you, I can be a Christian without going to church. And I guess there is some truth in that. But that's not what you're called to do. That's a a lower revelation because then you'll be in disunity. 
then you'll be in isolation. Then you won't have a community of family and friends around you that will support you when you're low. Needless to say, you won't be able to support them when they're low either. You have a role to play. That's why we're called to be in community. We are called to honour and serve each other. Matthew 23 says, let the least shall be the greatest. The best community and family is one that looks to raise one another up, not fight for position or status or intention or importance. Just to be clear, that was me who said that, not Matthew 23. The quote changed. We are called to honour and serve each other. Matthew 23, full stop. Think about John 13, where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. That's a call to humility, guys. It's not a call to status or title. It's a call to humility. We are called to worship. Luke 4. Let's worship him. Let's worship him in every way. Some worship as a living sacrifice with our money and our time and our attitude. We are called to give him our all. Let us work heartily for the Lord as not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Colossians 3.23. Let us do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. And let us know that in a race all of us will run, but only one will receive a prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. And that's from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25. Our standing orders have not changed. Our focus, our strategy, slightly altered. But let's embrace the change. I want to pray for you now. I'm going to hand over to Tim. Tim's going to talk about actually how we launch into this season. We're going to be doing that via a week of prayer and fasting. And that might look different for each of you individually. But can I pray this for you first? Because change, however small and however positive, can sometimes be really hard. And I don't want this to be a journey of, of heavy burden or weight or, 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 or trudging through mud. I want this to be a season of joy and of peace. And we're going to be able to achieve that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for what you are doing in Basildon. Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done specifically in this family, in this household, in Living Word. Lord, how you have called us to influence those men and women and children within our own lives, within our own communities. Lord, I thank you for what you are calling us into in this next season. But Lord, I want to bless my brothers and sisters as we sit around this table together as equals on this missionary journey together into Basildon. Lord, that we might move together as one, in harmony, in unity. Lord, if there is a heavy heart or a disagreement, let it come to light fast. Let it be dealt with with peace and with grace. Lord, we need your grace in heaps and bounds. Lord, let us embrace your ways. In the world, we'll call it change or change management. In the church, we just call it being obedient. I loved what Ray said during his, his, his time. This is going to be a season of obedience. We want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and to the call that you have on this church because we don't want to miss out. We want to be there right by your side, Jesus. So come in your grace and your peace and your mercy now through the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash over us. Give us that heart of love and kindness and compassion as we head into 2020. In Jesus' name, amen. That was a, an amazing whistle-stop tour through some uh, wonderful opportunities that we have as a community.
I hope you were trying to your best to keep up with what Ricky shared and I'm going to ask him maybe if we could have some distilled version available it's not least because of what I'm going to be talking about um, we're just coming up to a point in the often in, the, in the, the Christian church where we talk about some guys coming from a long way off to visit Jesus. They're sometimes called kings, they weren't. And they came to follow a star. It says in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2 that they went to the king of the, of the area and they said, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And these guys were set out on a purpose. Just as we've been talking about our purpose this morning, they had purpose, they decided, they had been called to go and worship the king. There's a bumper sticker uh, that, you know what, they stick on the back of cars, which starts off, wise men sought Jesus. Anybody tell me how it finishes? They still do. Um, I'll bring up to date and say, the wise still do. Um, so that is really the focus and heart of what I want to bring this morning. That as, why, as the wise, we are wise if we seek Jesus over all that's been shared. Ask him. The question I have for you to start with is which star are you going to follow? What's the star in your life? What's the thing that brings meaning and purpose? What is it that makes you make decisions every day? And the challenge, I suppose, today is to say to you, let's have a regroup, let's have a think about what it is that is your focus. What is it that's your focus? What is it that guides you? We've heard what it is that's on the heart of the church leadership for 2020. We're all called to be focused on Jesus. As the, our eyes, as the writer of Hebrews says, fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, those wise men had to focus they had to keep focus. Very easy to get lost. Yeah? They had a long way to go. And they were guided by a star. And it could have gone out of focus. They're, I don't think they had telescopes then, but I don't know how they did. But it could have gone out of focus. If you had a telescope, you would have struggled to find it. Our job is to keep focused. So as a church and as individuals, we're beginning this year by establishing that focus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Psalm 84, I mentioned it earlier when we were praying for Ray and Diane and Simon Catherine, has those words, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, that's a place of dry place, you know, no, there's no rain. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. And they go from strength to strength. 
It is my absolute conviction that if we give ourselves over this week ahead, not this week, week after, next 12th to the 19th, to prayer and to fasting, we will make it that a place of strength for us as individuals. It's, it's great to hear this word. It's great to hear where we're going. It's great to be encouraged. But where are you in it? Where's your place of strength in it? Where are you in this? What is God speaking to you about this? So we're being called to put aside time to pray. To achieve greater focus. Now, one of the ways throughout the Bible... Um, it speaks about helping our focus is actually by fasting at the same time as prayer. Notice I've said both, not one or the other, but this particular case, praying and fasting. Let's be uh, clear here, the focus of a fast is to enable us to achieve greater devotion to God. Um, there are all sorts of other ways in which you can do that, of course. You can put time aside without fasting. But putting the time aside is the key issue. If you fast for a day and don't spend any time praying, well, you can shoot me afterwards. Come and tell me afterwards. But my view on that is, let's put it bluntly, is a bit of a waste of time. Um, you know, you could come and say, I did a fast. But the purpose of the fast is to get before God, to hear him. Okay, so what does this look like, this praying and fasting? Now, we've set aside a week. No one's suggesting that everybody goes without food for seven days. I think we would probably end up with a rather difficult situation. Um... You need to choose, um, first of all, to commit to do it, to do something. And I, yeah, and the leadership are asking you that. But it's not, you need to, it's a voluntary thing. You know, we're saying, you know, go before, what, what, what do you feel is right to do? There are those, for example, on medication or who have been unwell, who it'd be incredibly unwise for you to fast from food and drink. So please don't. If you're pregnant, it's probably not a good idea either. Whatever I'm saying to you this morning, please, if you're considering doing a fast and you've got any questions, you know, and, and over your own well-being over that, seek medical advice. Go, you know, ask your GP if you can get an appointment. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> So, do, but do seek medical advice if you can before doing something like this. Before you fast from food for a period of time, prepare yourself. Um, smaller meals beforehand. If uh, you're considering, I mean, one of the things that we were suggesting is that you could choose to fast for one day for food um, as long as you keep hydrated. That's one way of doing it. You could choose a whole day. I'm not going to eat anything today. I'm going to just have uh, water or juice. And then 
the point of that is to say, okay, in that day, I'm going to set aside this time, possibly when you were going to eat, to sit down and pray. Or to stand and pray, or whatever. You could choose longer than a day by only eating one meal in the evening. You could also do what's called a, some people call a Daniel fast, where you only eat vegetables on that, that day, um, or those days. What about those of you who are not fasting from, going to fast from food? Well, you could devote to God by fasting from media, TV or social media. I think sometimes people might find that more of a struggle than stopping food. Um, you know yourself on that one. Um, others might fast from a, a regular activity, as long as this doesn't inconvenience others. So, for example, the gym, if it's something that you're really into a lot, I'm not suggesting that, you know, you should be unfit, but I'm just saying, what is it, what activity is it, a hobby or regular activity you do? I say, not inconveniencing others, but something where you can devote time. I think... Um, those alternatives, by the way, provide us with an opportunity to involve children and youth. So if you're children in your family or, or youth that might want to be involved in this, they see you're beginning to do it, you could say, well, let's take some time. We won't watch TV tonight. We'll just have a time of prayer together. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, to do things together is great. Now, the focus of this is prayer. So let me just talk about that for a minute. I'm coming to the end of what I wanted to share. Um, but this is really important. Can I recommend a plan? If, you, if, you, if you're going to be planning not to have food, well, why not plan what you're going to do with the prayer? So you might do um, have to hand things that Ricky shared, have those in front of you, and go before God and start to pray for each one of those. Or you might be led to a particular Bible passage. Or you might uh, wish to focus part of your prayer time in that week on people, people in your life, friends, family, people that are important to you, who, are, who don't know Jesus. You could pray for them to come to know Jesus. But what I've said so far about prayer, of course, is all about us to God. And a very, very important part of what we believe as Christians is that God can actually speak to us in that time. Guys, um, please let's not get tied up in knots about this stuff. If you're struggling about hearing God, keep it very simple. Give yourself space and time and in the silence, listen. And then just consider what your, where your mind is going. Yeah, you might get distracted onto things that you know aren't, aren't God, but... You know, have a bit of expectation of faith that, you know, where, where your mind goes may be what God is saying to you. We may be overcomplicated sometimes. Um, it may be that something comes in the way of a memory of a person or a passage from the Bible or just a poem. You know, something that's familiar to you or unfamiliar to you. 
So times to allow your mind, heart and spirit to consider what God is saying to you. I know that there are people here for whom that's really important, but I think we're in phases of life. We've had four people join the life of the church today. So, you know, it's about, okay, well, so what now? For others of you who've been a part of the life of the church for a long time, and Ricky's sharing this, what these things to us this morning, you're going to God saying, okay, what now? What do you want me? What of me, Lord? But... Please don't let this be a condemnation trip. I've done things like this before, been involved in things like this before, and you get to the end of the week and you go, oh, I didn't pray, I didn't fast. There isn't a lightning bolt going to come down and strike you. Short accounts, guys. Grace. It isn't me saying, don't bother. It's me saying, don't wind yourself in knots about this whole thing. I promise you, the benefits of spending time with God in this way are wonderful. Uh, The potential benefits. Um, Also, we're not looking for anybody here to start, you know, you you don't have to come and... Start saying, I, I did this and I did that, and I, I you know, it, it's not about who's done most or what or anything like that. We're not in the business of uh, standing on the rooftops and saying how wonderful we are. In fact, Jesus is quite strong about that. In Matthew 6, he talks about if you fast, you know, do yourself up, make sure you look good, and don't let the effects of your fasting be seen. Because he was so concerned that people didn't pretend religion you know that it wasn't a kind of a a mask or a facade or a superficial thing this is a focus on the spiritual food of God uh, and his word in our lives rather than physical nourishment and that demonstrates sacrificial purpose intention and determination let's be clear no, it's not convenient. Why? And I guarantee you that you'll decide to do this and mum will ring up and say, would you like to come round for a meal? <laughs> you can guarantee that your friend at work will bring in a bag of donuts. It's just going to happen, all right? It's not going to be convenient. And then you've got some difficult decisions to make, which don't, you know, cause a challenge. Neither are the results guaranteed. As with all prayer, we can guarantee that we're going to be heard. Yeah? The challenge is often in our own listening. So we're going to begin after our meeting next Sunday. And uh, please do come and ask Eldership any questions about what's happened today, about what you, questions you have. We're going to try and put together something a little bit more in depth with respect to guidance about fasting, which will be available online and we'll have printed copies of. But we haven't finalised that yet because we need to be careful about that. Um, but if you do have any questions, do, do ask us. Wow, what an opportunity to set a time, set aside this time to be with God. 
Father, I ask you, Lord, that you'd bless our community as we do that. Um, as we set aside time to hear you, to pray, to hear your voice. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.